Back at it, hour two of Blaine and Mickey on 104.5 The Zone. Lucas Panzica filling in for the birthday boy, Mickey Ryan. A well-deserved day off. What do you think Mickey's doing on his birthday right now? Ooh, man. Uh, probably just walking down a rock-filled road throwing rocks to see how far he could throw. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, he's, uh, you know, at a wine... Uh, you know, place uh, where he's stomping grapes. Probably not that, but I hope he's hope he's playing bass or something that that makes Wait, him happy. Sure. Spending time with his family. The name everything that he would be doing. Yeah, <laughs> well deserved day off for Mickey. No Ryan. doubt for the mixer. Uh, we we brought up the question: Who's the second best team in the AFC right now? With the Kansas City Chiefs, the way they've been playing, eight straight wins. Uh, Pat Mahomes. I mean he. He's just playing lights out right now. Had 10 interceptions in the first eight weeks of the season. You know how many he's had in the, la- the last eight weeks as we're through 16? What? How, how many do you think he's had? Uh, half of that, five. Three. Ooh. 13 on the year, 10 of those. They are who we thought they were. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Their margin of victory over the last six games is 20 points. Yeah. And they that game was over against Pittsburgh by the end of the first quarter. You yeah, just I, that's it. exactly when I stopped watching it. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, what are we about to do? I'm about to watch some on Netflix or Prime Video. Or... <laughs> I was What'd like, I'm not watching, especially because I'm looking at the Steelers. I said, the Steelers are as bad as I thought the Titans. It pissed me off again at the Titans lost. <laughs> so what would you put on instead of that? Uh, what did we go watch? Uh, oh, my wife was doing, uh, we watched something on Netflix about uh, real estate. Top seller in uh, Tampa Bay. Yeah, I think that was the one. Or Sunset. Sunset. Ooh. Yeah, so the, yeah. yeah nice. so I told him, yeah, it was Sunset. Oppenheimer Group is the name of the real estate company. Yeah, and I said, oh, these guys, these twin brothers, they own this company, and they uh, they just hire all these hot women who sell million-dollar homes there, and uh, they, they reap all the benefits <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> so I was sitting there saying, hey, you know, I watch these too, honey. Yeah, these looks pretty good. Nice scenery. Shaq Barrett might be spending a little extra time in his million-dollar home after spraining his ACL and MCL. We'll talk to Tyler Sullivan of CBS Sports. He covers the NFL uh, but does have a heavy focus on the Bucks and the Patriots. Talk to him about how the Bucks are at this point kind of limping down the stretch here with all the injuries around Tom Brady. A big blowout win yesterday, but, uh, I mean, Chris Godwin obviously out for the year. Shaq Barrett out for the regular season. Mike Evans didn't play on Sunday. Leonard Fournette out for the season. So, But guess uh, who's available? A.B. to the rescue. A.B. to the rescue. Oh, my goodness. And Keyshawn Vaughn. And the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. But let's talk about what Tom Pelissero brought up earlier today in regards to the AFC, the second best team in the AFC. That was the conversation Tom Pelissero chimed in with a little nugget, possibly, about the king. Here was Pelissero from earlier today. So looking at this landscape, if you were to pick a team that is in that two spot, the second best team in all the AFC, where are is going? Where do you think? Kyle, this probably is not a popular thought at this point, but I still don't think anybody wants to see the Titans when you get into the postseason. When I was doing my okay. annual survey of GMs and other front office people really? last week in terms of Coach of the Year and other awards, Mike Vrabel's name kept coming up because he's lost so many of his players. His key skill guys on offense decimated for months now, yet the Titans keep on winning. they still got a quarterback in Ryan Tannehill who has shown you that he can step up. He's built to do it both passing and running. Derrick Henry, it sounds like maybe even gets back for Week 18, a chance to knock off some of the rust before they get into the playoffs after his significant uh, foot injury that he had earlier on this season. And then A.J. Brown comes back, 
cold. Second half last Thursday night completely takes over the game. He's never going to be a high-volume guy. That's just not the way that they're constructed. But he is right now without Derrick Henry. 16 targets for Brown in that game, 11 catches for 145 yards, and a touchdown. He set such a physical tone for the rest of that team. You get Henry back now, maybe get something out of Julio Jones. Don't cut out the Titans just yet. Mm. Potentially week 18. For Derrick Henry, Tom Pilastro suggesting, and we've heard this from Diana Rossini. We heard it from the jump with the timetable provided by Ian Rappaport, which, by the way, on Tuesday, tomorrow, will mark nine weeks since the surgery on November 2nd after Derrick Henry broke his foot nine on Halloween. Or eight weeks. I know I can't count, but I thought it was eight weeks, but I'm, I might be wrong. I had it at nine weeks on my count, but I also am not good at math. But either way, <laughs> the optimism about Derrick Henry returning in January has been a pretty common thread. Diana Rossini has been the most consistent on that, that there is real optimism that sooner rather than later, a return in January at this point, not looking like he's going to be back for the Dolphins game coming up on Sunday, uh, unless something were to change. They could certainly activate him or designate him to come off IR and return to practice. Oh, that's going to build a lot of excitement. Right. (laughs) But at this point, let's say it's between the regular season finale against the Houston Texans and whatever the playoff opener is. In January. I mean, where would you stand on that? Are you on the side of as soon as he's ready to go and he's cleared, put him out there, ramp him up going into the postseason? Or are you on the side of, no, hold everything off until you enter the postseason? Yeah, I know a lot of people, uh, we don't know the insides and how much he's been working out, you know, and, and practicing and up to speed. But if it was for me and I'm the head coach, I would actually want to see him play in the last game. And here's my reasons why. First of all, I want to see how durable he is. Is he ready to go get some of the rust off? His, I would approach it like a preseason game for him. And by the way, the Texans did beat a, a really good team, the Chargers. So, and we owed them. So I don't know if it's that much risk. I want to get him ready to find out how much can I utilize him in that first uh, playoff game. So a lot of people say that would be dumb or, you know, I wouldn't do that because there's a chance he could get uh, hurt uh, in that game. Well, guess what? If he got hurt in this game, he's go- he was going to be able to make it through the playoff game anyway. So I want to know how I want to be game planning, going to the game. Who am I dressing? Who am I not? So I want to get him to say, how do you feel after the game? I want to see some of all those things that require for him to be successful and our team to be successful going to the playoff. I want to know. I want to know all those things. Guess what? If he gets hurt and injured, well, he has all offseason to get ready regardless. Uh, so I, I think uh, you win either way. But my preference is I want to see him uh, be at his best in the playoffs. So I, I, want, I want to see him play. I know everybody's going to say, oh, he gets another week of rest. What is a freaking week going to do? Really? This is not a sprain. I mean, this is, this is a, he's got a plate in there. He, if he's been running and practicing, you know, doing drills around cones and all those things, there's nothing left but to see if he can take the hit, the punishment. Oh, guess what? Some guy's going to step on his foot. Because guess what? If I was playing, my step on his foot. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to you got to go through all these things. I don't want to wait to playoff game and then all of a sudden we got to change our game plan because the king is is injured now uh, after the first drive. You were right. Eight weeks tomorrow will mark eight weeks since the surgery after the Colts game. Oh, so and, eight weeks is a nice little time. Yeah. Eight nine weeks. And it, the timetable given by Rappaport was six to ten. So after the Dolphins game will mark nine weeks, and then it would be after the Texans game at the end of the regular season that would mark ten. Right. So. It's going to come down to the cuffing. I don't know. What would you – a lot of people, you you agree that you would probably wait to the playoffs, huh? 
I don't know. I, I think I'm I think I'm with you because we've seen it from Derrick Henry that that ramp up period. We've seen yeah. that so often in his career, right? I mean, go back to the the season opener of last season. He wasn't very good against the Denver Broncos. I think he did have over a hundred yards in that game, but averaged I think less than four yards per carry in that season opener. Remember the late Monday mm-hmm. part of the Monday night football doubleheader to open the year. I mean, it's so often that you see Derrick Henry have to ramp up to the end of the regular season. But this year, that, that obviously wasn't the case. I mean, you, you take away that Arizona game where they just, I mean, they just blew the Titans off the field in week one. But, I mean, it was the most dominant first month of a season in his career ever. Right. And all the scenarios playing, if they're out of the hunt for number one and they feel like they got number two sewn up, then that may kind of change yeah. my mind because yeah. there may be some other players not playing on the offensive line, and I'm like, I'm not risking him going out there with our backups. So there's different scenarios. Just depends on what's going on. But my preference, if it's a game you had to, you know, you want to win, and you, you know, uh, you you want to get him. Let's see where he's at. I, I would do it. I mean, if you're in a spot where spot playing him, you know, but yeah. kind of like approaching it like a preseason. Yeah. And the Texans have have struggled to to stop the run all season, and heck, the Titans were able to run the football almost at will with Adrian Peterson and and the and the and company here. It's just Ryan Tannehill they turned the ball over four times. That's why they lost. They were able to run the football in that game. I want payback to the the, the Texans. Oh, I'm sure they do too. Two kind of plays into it, even if it's meaningless. Guess what? This team is playing really good. They beat the Chargers. Chargers is a is a playoff contending type team, and they could beat a lot of the playoff teams that they have. So, uh, you know, Herbert didn't play well, and they laid egg. But I'm fascinated how Cully, I told you, this guy's a different cat. I don't know if he's a head coach, but he's a great motivator. Guys are playing hard. You played for him. Yeah, yeah. well, I'm not. Or no, he wasn't your position coach, but he was on right. the staff in he, Philly, right? Yeah, he was on staff with Andy Reid, yeah. So this guy, he's a full-energy guy every day. Between him and Harbaugh, I didn't know who was worse. I mean, these guys did not stop talking. I mean, all day at practice. <laughs> that was a star-studded staff you guys had up there. Uh, yeah, what? Ron Rivera, uh, <laughs> McDermott. A few, uh, few head coaches Leslie on that Frazier, staff. Wow. Uh, uh, what's my DB coach's name? Uh, the DC for Kansas City. Uh, oh, so Spagnolo. Spagnolo. Yeah. yeah, he was my actual one-on-one coach. Man, was he gifted? I knew he was going to be really mm-hmm. good. So they had a whole bunch of guys. So that's not even counting the offensive side of the ball. And Harbaugh was special teams coordinator. Uh, also, also a matter of like you said, the context of the playoff picture in that right. final week that of the regular season. It. Let's say the Titans beat Miami, which you know on a long week. Miami going to be on a short week. They're playing tonight. Big game for Ryan Tannehill, his first matchup against the Dolphins Ooh. since leaving there. Uh, Mike Vrabel hasn't played the Dolphins since the longest game in NFL history, a game the Titans lost. We lost in the first game of the Mike Vrabel era to Ryan Tannehill and the Dolphins. So. If the Titans take care of business against Miami in the last regular season home game and you go into that and let's say the Chiefs beat the Bengals, you're in a spot where Chiefs running on nine straight wins if they beat Cincinnati, probably not going to lose to the Denver Broncos in a regular season finale with the one seed on the line, right? So if the Titans have the AFC South clinched at that point, I wonder what the approach might be like. Well, I'm going to say this about what you just said about them not losing to the Broncos. I'm not putting anything past anybody at this You're point in right. time. And I know they won nine in a row. The Broncos play them twice a year. They got a real good defense. Yeah. What about offense? But uh, I just nothing's a given in this league. And no, that's right. really going back to me being a player and my mindset. If you start thinking that way, you will get beat. Uh, so I, I just don't know in this league. You know, one game, you could you know they know you better than anybody. You play them twice a year. So you just don't know. But to your scenario, I would assume that they would win that game. Uh, if they want to continue the run going into the playoffs. So 
Yeah, then you're sitting at what? Two still, right? Two seed? Yep. Uh, so, yeah, that, that, I think two seed is fine. I, I'm, I'm cool with that. Everybody Who is knows. the second best team in the AFC right now? Is it the Titans? We'll ask Tyler Sullivan of CBS Sports coming up on the other side. First, let's ask B Rich in Nashville on the line. B Rich, what's up? Yo, what's up, man? Everything all right? Everything oh, is great, good. man. Ho, ho, ho. Yo, man, listen. Um, I'd say, despite even the Chiefs' record, I think the Titans um, would be the second best team, and I'm gonna say the reason why they could they could be the first. The Titans are scary, man. Meaning this, they play straight up bully ball. Like mm-hmm. to me, Mike Vrabel is the closest thing to Stone Cold Steve Austin <laughs> in real life, and yeah. he's brought that attitude to these guys. Like if we get a fresh Henry back, if we get you know AJ the way he's playing and the way the defense has stepped up. I don't. They don't fear anybody, man. There's nobody that those guys fear, and they they play that way. So you know, a lot of people, man, I'm scared to play the Colts, man. Why? Like, I mean, yeah, they playing ball, but you get a fresh Henry back, you get a you know the offense clicking the way it goes, and the way our defense is playing, they're gonna make Carson Wentz be Carson Wentz. You know, playing the Chiefs, man. Look, we we figured out how to do it. All we got to do is just go play our game and be. And what you just said about you know, the Chiefs beating the Broncos or whoever else, man, listen, this has been the craziest year. We said the same thing about us playing the Jets and the Texans and everything else. Every week, you got to play every week in the NFL like you're playing for the Super Bowl because anybody can beat you at any given week. Like, I didn't see the Texans losing yesterday. What happened? You know what I'm saying? Unbelievable. So, the NFL is a week-to-week thing. So, you know, the Bengals may have the Chiefs number. You know, Miami may have ours. Let's hope that's not the case. But all I'm saying is, is like the Titans, the only thing I really want to see us do more is find a way to implement Julio Jones mm-hmm. in, this, offense. Yeah. in his offense a little bit more. That's that's boggling to me. I don't know what, you know, I know Vrabel maybe has a plan, but it just don't make no sense to me how we have this guy here who can is a threat, but we don't have him activated that much further into the offense. So if we can get that together, I think we are, right, man. Yeah, I completely agree with the caller. Thanks man. for the call, man. Great call. Mm-hmm. Julio Jones, that's going to be touch and go rest of the way, right? I mean, a lot that's, of it because he's in and out of the yeah. lineup. But man, one target—he's got to get a handful of targets. I, I don't—you know—you can run the deep comeback, you can run the quick out. Got to be able to complete those balls just to get him to a flow into a rhythm, make him feel like he's part of the offense. Besides being a, a decoy in the runoff, I, I get it. I, I think he's an unselfish guy, but he still has enough left in the tank if healthy uh, to do a solid job. He. Hey, right now, I still believe he can be a number two in this league. One target, one catch for seven yards on Thursday in the win over San Francisco. When we come back, Tyler Sullivan of CBS Sports, an NFL writer, a heavy focus on the Bucks, on the Patriots. Talk about the AFC playoff picture, a few other things with Tyler Sullivan of CBS Sports. Coming up next, it's Blaine and Mickey, and it's 104.5 The Zone. You know. Welcome back. Hour two of Blaine and Mickey continues on. Lucas Panzeca stepping in for Mickey Ryan, hanging out with Blaine Bishop until 3 o'clock, taking you right up to 3HL. We were talking about it in the last segment. 
Who's the best team, excuse me, who's the second best team in the AFC right now, and is it the Titans? Tyler Sullivan of CBS Sports joins us now. Tyler, uh, appreciate the time, man. Hope you had a really Merry Christmas. I want to ask you, I know you're based out of Boston. You do a lot covering the Patriots as well for CBS Sports. I don't know if you were in the room when somebody asked Bill Belichick his New Year's resolution after a crucial divisional loss to the Bills, but I imagine that's the type of question that everybody around there kind of ducks for cover when it's asked. Yeah, that was an interesting one, for sure. sure. That was, <laughs> There's that rumor was... that you told her they asked that question, though. That, that... <laughs> yeah, I did. I, I actually better, uh, better 50 bucks that you wouldn't do it. I'm, I'm, I'm 50 bucks pouring now. No, but it was an interesting one. The only thing that would have been funnier, or the only thing that was more shocking, I should say, is that Belichick kind of just was like, eh, yeah, no, no. In his, in his heyday, I think I he would have ripped somebody's head off. But, I mean, we got Belichick apologizing to reporters now. It seems like it's a new man at this point. Yeah, is he, what's going on there? Is he getting softer in, in his, as he gets older? Because we Bland and I were talking about it, the parallels with Nick Saban, who's having a little more fun with the media lately. Yeah, I, I think that might be what it is. I'm not, I'm not sure. Maybe he's got a new lease on life with a young quarterback. Maybe he's getting a little <laughs> bit excited for things to come. I'm not, I'm not quite sure. Either that or maybe that's one of his New Year's resolutions for 2021 that he just didn't tell us about last year. Tyler, I want to ask you, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, they have not lost since they lost to the Titans here in Nashville on October 24th. They've won eight in a row. Their average margin of victory in the last six weeks is 20 points. Pat Mahomes, after 10 interceptions in the first eight weeks, has thrown three in the last eight weeks. Can you make a case for anybody in the NFL other than the Chiefs as the hottest team in the league right now? No, I, I'm not sure that you can. Maybe the Green Bay Packers is a team that you can say that could give them a run for their money in terms of if they met yet next week, how would that game go down? That that certainly would be one worth worthy of discussion. But the Chiefs, and this is something that I think everybody, specifically, you know, even people up here in New England, when the Patriots were sitting as the number one seed, there was always that thought of, well, the key, the Chiefs could turn the the switch. They could flip that switch and all of a sudden turn into the Chiefs of old because eventually. Those those weird turnovers by Patrick Mahomes, that inconsistent play, the drops by his receivers, those were eventually going to subside at, at some point. It felt like it was just totally out of the norm for Kansas City, and their defense, surprisingly, was carrying them for the most part. Now everything seems to be clicking for them, and it, it almost felt inevitable that they would ascend as the number one seed as it stands after week or you know just as we're about to end week 16 here so no they they do seem like the hottest team in the nfl right now and it wouldn't surprise me if it remains that way for a while talking to tyler sullivan covers the nfl for cbs sports well tyler let's stick with that note we're talking about mahomes and crew and the chiefs kind of looking like they're separating themselves in the afc but who do you think is separating themselves as far as for nvp uh candidates who's your top three I mean, it's pretty remarkable that, you know, it still feels like it's up for debate, right? You know, a few years ago, or, you know, you go back to any one of these seasons, it feels like it's locked up at this point. I know that, you know, we have an extended week now with Week 18 being adopted this year, but it still feels real relatively late in the process. And it does feel that we're starting, you know, we could have a non-quarterback for MVP this season because it does feel like Aaron Rodgers, there might be some fatigue there because he won last year. There was obviously that COVID situation where he was immunized, but he wasn't vaccinated. I'm, I'm sure <laughs> that might sway some voters, whether that's right or not right. Tom Brady obviously is, is lighting up the NFL. It would be a remarkable story if he was able to win MVP at his age, certainly worthy of discussion. 
But right now, I don't know how you can look away from Jonathan Taylor. It's just a unbelievable season that he's been putting together with the Indianapolis Colts. He's heads and shoulders above a lot of his peers in terms of the statistical numbers. A lot of that has to do with, obviously, Derrick Henry getting hurt down in Tennessee, where you guys are. But ultimately, he has been the key to that team, winning or losing, keeping them within the playoff race. I mean, I saw it firsthand when they were going up against New England in, in Indianapolis, where you got to have it. The Patriots were starting to rumble back, and what does Jonathan Taylor do? He rips off a mega touchdown, back-breaking, 60-plus-yard touchdown to really blow it wide open. That's what an MVP does. So to me right now, Jonathan Taylor is firmly in that discussion, if not at the very top of the list. Mm. You know what? A lot of people would be mad here in Tennessee, that fans, that is, would be upset that you just said that. But I'm actually excited. Do you think Derrick Henry's performance from last season – open up the door for people who are voters to start looking at the contributions from elite running backs. Yeah, I don't know how it couldn't. You know, it, it, Henry has been long overdue for an MVP. I mean, you know, I, I'm one of his mm-hmm. biggest fans, and, and it's a real-life fan. It's a fantasy football fan. It's all of it under the sun for me and Derrick Henry. But ultimately, yes, his success and his stature of being able to will Tennessee just by his freakish ability, his freakish size, which I think we're going to be seeing in a few weeks here, is ultimately what I think is opening people's eyes to say, hey, listen, you know, this is, you know, I understand that we're in a new era where the quarterbacks are the main centerpiece to a lot of these offenses, but every once in a while, you do have those generational talents, whether it be an Adrian Peterson, a Derrick Henry, or for what we may be seeing right now, a developing Jonathan Taylor that can really carry a team to the postseason. Mm. We're on with uh, Tyler Sullivan, uh, NFL reporter for CBS Sports. And I have to ask you, I know you cover the Patriots uh, a lot, and and that is, do you think, and I'm watching his performance yesterday, kind of showed some little chinks in his armor, but, hey, you know, he wasn't getting protection and they didn't play very well. But you think Mac Jones can actually take him to the Super Bowl and win it? Well, I don't know if he can do it in his rookie year. I mean, no quarterback, rookie quarterback has ever done it. You know, that, that, and that was a tall order to even say when the Patriots were sitting as the number one seed just a few weeks ago, and it would really have to be that mold of a 2001 New England team when they had a young Tom Brady coming in that were they were primarily winning on timely plays by the quarterback, but it wasn't necessarily what you would see in, see in say, Kansas City or in Buffalo right now where the quarterbacks are the main feature. That's more running game, more defense. It's the style that you've seen. New England have, but ultimately down the road, it's certainly possible. I mean, we've seen Mac Jones do it at the collegiate level at Alabama, the highest level possible, win national title, win a national title with the Crimson Tide. So obviously he has that ability to come up big in big games. I'm not necessarily sure it's going to happen right now. Again, it, it's mm-hmm. tough for those rookie quarterbacks, and we've even seen it over the last few weeks here following New England's vibe. The passing game hasn't really been as efficient as it should be. One of the things that Jones is, is kind of, you know, is, is, is known for is his accuracy. And, and yesterday, the, the accuracy just wasn't there against Buffalo. Mm. Give me two teams, one from the AFC and one from the NFC, that squeaks into the playoffs. And guess what? You'd be like, hey, man, we don't want to play them. Yeah, I think one of them is, is if we're going to go into the AFC, mm-hmm. I think one of them, I know that they had a weird game last week last week against Houston but then again you had a lot of team, a lot of players missing in that one Derwin James being key among them but I don't think anybody wants to play the Chargers right now they're currently the eighth seed mm. Justin Herbert to me should scare you no matter which team you are even if you're Kansas City the ability that that young kid has 
I mean, we just talked about it with Mac Jones. You know, can Mac Jones lead you to a Super Bowl? We're not quite there yet with him, but ultimately, I I am a firm believer in Justin Herbert. One of the the, the bad things about L.A. is that they can't stop the run. That could be an Achilles heel for them, and, and that's certainly something that a Tennessee could knock them off, and Indianapolis could knock them off. Cincinnati is another one. Teams that have elite running backs or high-quality running backs that can really, really do some impact there. But L.A., if this all of a sudden turns into a track meet, if they meet a team like Kansas City later on or New England or, or whoever, that's a team where I don't want to get into a throwing match with because Justin Herbert's just too talented, in my opinion. And if you want to go in the NFC, I don't know if there's that same exact type of team that's on the outside looking in San Francisco. I, I'm not sure if that's, that's the type of team there. You know, Arizona's starting to fall off. I think there's a much closer, you know, wild card parody in the AFC than there is in the NFC. I'm not quite mm-hmm. sure that there's that, that underdog potential in the NFC. Going with uh, Tyler Sullivan, NFL reporter for CBS Sports. So with that said, Tyler, and I was going to just ask you about each respective conference, but instead of doing that, I'm going to ask you this. What's the more interesting question? Figuring out the second best team in the AFC right now or in the NFC? Oh, I think it's, you know, right now, I think that you have, obviously, the NFC you have via the elite teams. There's so much more unknown. You're talking about, you know, probably deciphering between Green Bay, Dallas, Tampa Bay, L.A., Arizona. There's that five groups there where you can make a case for each one of them. It seems like it's a little bit more of a a drop-off off off of Kansas City, at least at the moment. Tennessee certainly in that discussion. And in Tennessee, I'm, I'm super excited to see what happens over the next few weeks here with, ten, with with Derrick Henry. Because if he can come back, I mean, we saw it last week against against San Francisco, what one player returning can do for a team, and that was with A.J. Brown. I mean, it was just night and day what the passing game looked like for Tennessee. If all of a sudden you start to get Derrick Henry back into the fold, they are a much different team, as you guys know totally well. They're a huge factor in the AFC. That's probably the number two, in my opinion. Buffalo is right there. But if you're telling me we get a fully healthy Tennessee team with a couple of home games in their back pocket as a potential number two or number one seed, that's a team that could go deep into the postseason in the AFC. I want to ask you, because I know you cover the Patriots very closely, the Titans' next opponent is the Patriots' final opponent in the Miami Dolphins. I know interesting things happen when the Patriots play the Dolphins in the regular season finale. Uh, but what do you kind of make of this hot streak that Miami is on right now? And what intrigues you about the matchup? between Titans and Dolphins before Miami takes on New England? Well, I think one of the things with with, Tennessee, with, with with Miami is we don't really know what they are, right? I mean, if you really look, if you look at it from a million miles in the air, you'll say, oh, wow, they, they ripped off six in a row. They had a one-in-seven start. They started to turn things around. Maybe it's Tua Tungabailoa changing the narrative. He could be in Miami for the long haul. But I'm not, I'm not totally sold on that yet, and I don't even know if we'll be sold on it following this game against New Orleans, because if you look at the teams that they've actually played, it's not like they've been taking down some heavy hitters. They beat the te- the, te- the Houston Texans. They've beaten the Baltimore Ravens, which is a quality win, but that was a no-show by them on a short week. I believe that was that Thursday game. Yeah. Then they beat the New York Jets twice, Carolina Panthers, New York Giants. It's not like they're slaying Kansas City, Cincinnati, Buffalo. Like it's the not Titans like they're, they're, they're not taking down an elite team like they'll see in, in, in Tennessee. Yeah, next week. So to me, I, and I don't even know if we'll learn anything tonight in New Orleans because they're playing a fourth-string quarterback, rookie quarterback, mm. and Ian Book, who's never seen a, a legit NFL snap in his life. So to me, I'm, I'm not totally sold on them as a true playoff contender or a true playoff threat. They might get in just because of 
certain things falling their way, but ultimately I'm not sure they're, they're as big of a threat as that winning streak may indicate. Might set up for an interesting finale then, right, against New England. Patriots got the Jaguars next if they take care of business. Trevor Lawrence hasn't thrown a touchdown pass in over a month. So if the Patriots can win next weekend, I mean, could that set up a possible push for the AFC East championship? Obviously, you would need the Bills to lose. Yeah, no, it would have to be for Buffalo to kind of have a collapse here. Buffalo really did themselves a huge amount in that win yesterday in Foxborough. It was, it was, it was massive going into it. It had a playoff-type feel, certainly. And the fact that they have a better divisional record now, they're knotted up at 9-6, and six, but the divisional record is superior. They have that tiebreaker. To me, Buffalo will have the division in hand. If they play Atlanta and the Jets at home the next two weeks, they, they shouldn't lose either one of those. It would take a collapse for them not to win the AFCs. But if you're talking about one of those final wild-card spots, it could certainly come down to New England or Miami. And if you're a Patriots fan, you know quite well, going down to Miami late in the year in the hot sun, that is a that is a nightmare scenario for Bill Belichick and company. They historically have not played well there. So it would be quite the story if all of a sudden we're back in week 14 during their bye, they were sitting the Patriots were as the number one seed. And just a few weeks later, they find themselves outside looking in the playoffs. That'd be quite the story there. Tyler Sullivan with us of CBS Sports. Well, Tyler, we want you to have breaking news here. So give us your Super Bowl picks, AFC, NFC, who represents, and then who wins. I know I it's early, but... Green Bay, I think the Green Bay Packers get there. I think they get to Los Angeles. I, I would love to have, you know, I know we had Tampa Bay going to Tampa Bay for the Super Bowl. I'd like to see the Rams maybe get there just to see if we have We've never had a home Super Bowl before up until last ah. year, maybe two years in a row. That would have been cool. But ultimately, I think Green Bay gets there. They're just too hot. I ultimately do think they win it. I think they beat the Kansas City Chiefs. I think we get that Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes Super Bowl that everybody will be loving and that high-scoring affair. But ultimately, I do think after all the off-season drama, will he, won't he come back? Does he want to trade? Does he not want to trade? I think Aaron Rodgers is the hoist of a Lombardi for Green Bay. Man, I, I, you know, I have my barber texting me, man. He says, you haven't mentioned his team. How about them Cowboys? You he said that about the Cowboys? I mean, dang, they just blew somebody up, man. Is Dak Brack? I mean, back him. Is he an MVP candidate? He, you don't even mention him. He's he's a little perturbed. I mean, it's an unbelievable story for them. And, and what a butt kicking it was against the Washington football team. I don't even know if we can call them a football team anymore, just because I don't think that they looked like one. It was it was a unbelievable showing for them. There's certainly. And that was a, and that was an admittedly a statement game. They come into it already clinched the NFC because of all of the things that happened over the course of Week 16 prior to the primetime game. They go out there and have the performance that they did. That's a message sending win there that says, "Hey, we're going to be a threat in the NFC." I hope you know that Dallas has a great defense. The offense has started to look alive there as well. Obviously, they're creating points either way on side of the, on the side of the field. They're even doing it on special teams. As well, they'll be a tough out. I just think that if you are having to go into Lambeau Field in in the winter time, that is a tough thing to do for any one of these teams. Whether it's the Tampa Bay Bucks led by Tom Brady, Stafford's Rams, or Dax Cowboys, that's a tough thing to do, especially with Aaron Rodgers. I understand it for that. Mm, what game are you looking forward to this week? Who's the big matchup? I mean, I, I would love to say Jaguars Patriots. Right now, I'm only kidding. Yeah. That, one, that one obviously <laughs> <laughs> that, that one that one that one can't that one can't be. You know, I think Tennessee. Obviously, that one will be interesting. Obviously, because of the playoff implications there as well. But there's a ton. I mean, listen, this is the best time. It's the best time of the year, and especially in an AFC where we only have one team that's clinched a spot so far, and that's Kansas City. These margins are razor thin. Mm. So no, it's going to be it's going to be exciting no matter which way we see it. 
you know, there's a million games. I don't have one particularly in front of me, but ultimately maybe Kansas City, Cincinnati, that one. I'll put my hand on that one. That'll be a good one. Well, I know you cover the AFC probably a little bit more. Let's say about this. Who do you think just misses the playoff? You go, man, that team would have been a dangerous team. Well, it could have been, you know, it could have been Baltimore. You know, that's a team where they just – they they just had been decimated by injuries, but if they were fully healthy, you have Lamar Jackson. You know, you know that secondary just completely got decimated over these last few weeks, and, and it's a shame to see what happens. But ultimately, you know that's the name of the game. But if they were fully healthy and they and they were able to sneak in there, that team would have been one of the fun ones to see what they were able to do. Mm, so, Baltimore. Tyler Sullivan, CBS Sports, has been our guest. Tyler, great stuff, man. Uh, we'll do it again sometime down the road. Appreciate the time. No problem. Thanks for having me. Appreciate All right. It. Thank you. Tyler Sullivan. Follow him on Twitter at Tyler Sully. Covers the NFL, Patriots, gambling, and more for CBS Sports. So Jonathan Taylor, that's his pick. And I see a lot of people in the Zone TV chat uh, for MVP that obviously are upset with that. I knew they would be. That's Lonzo why telling us to hang up on the call. <laughs> I, look, I think it gets sniped. <laughs> to be fair, and I don't want people to come at me for this, but the argument is he's not going to get 2,000 yards, right? But he is on track to go over 2,000 total yards. And I do think that means something to voters. Over 1,600 rush yards on the year right now. 17 rushing touchdowns. 336 receiving yards at the moment. Uh, with two receiving touchdowns. Averages over nine yards per reception. So, you know, Derrick Henry should have gotten a vote last year. But I got to say, Jonathan Taylor is a candidate. I would have to agree with that. And I've said this before. And naturally, I'm a big King lover, uh, I mean, just to see this phenomenal player play. That's why I said that he set it up for JT to to win it. Uh, but I think JT has maybe done more with less. What do you think? Who is the stud receivers? Who's the stud tight end? Let's go back to the 2000s. We had John U. Smith. Berkshire was playing at a high level. We had Corey Davis and A.J. Brown. And Tannehill was playing his best. I wouldn't say all those dynamics are working around. With JT, I think he's yeah. doing more with less. His offensive line is, is is strong, just like the Titans are. I think that's the only thing comparable. Everything else is a little different. Wentz is getting a little hot now, but you're handing the ball off. It's it's on him as far as running game. But all around catching everything else, maybe maybe. But I think he's doing more with less. And I think the NFL is pushing it because of the Aaron Rodgers situation and the hard knocks yeah. during the season yeah. for whatever reason. When they put him on. You know, the NFL, you know, Twitter handle and then, you know, their website and everything else. I've never seen the NFL do stuff no like question, that. Yeah. They're pushing them. It has an impact. Mm-hmm. Uh, Titans are on a long week. They get the mini buy after Thursday night football. Mike Frabel talked about that earlier today and how that might work as an advantage as the Dolphins play Monday night football tonight on a short week. We'll hear from the head coach, the Tennessee Titans, as we close out the show. It's Blaine and Mickey on the 104.5 The Zone. Well, only if we take advantage of it, Corey. You know, only if we take advantage of it and can use the extra time to, to get rest, uh, to, to make sure that we're, we're sleeping, that our nutrition is on point, that our, our conditioning is on point. You know, we have some guys that, that have been out and that we're, we're, as we get them back, that their conditioning is at a level that, that we expect it to be to allow them to play with the effort and finish that's expected of, of our football team. So I, I hope that it can be an advantage. I hope that it can help us if we, if we take advantage and we do the right things. 
That is Titans head coach Mike Vrabel after being asked about the long week after Thursday night football and how that could play a role in preparing for the Miami Dolphins, who have a short week as they play Monday night football tonight on the road at the New Orleans Saints before they have to go on the road again and come to Nashville for the regular season home finale in Nissan Stadium. Yeah, that, that's kind of interesting. You just brought that up, uh, kind of discussing that off of air. That's kind of a disadvantage just when you just look at that for the Dolphins. Advantage for the Titans, hey, I don't care. But, man, you very rarely see that they'll play on Monday and the, the Titans actually played on Thursday. I'm interested to see having those extra days. And they're both on the road for the, the Dolphins. Yeah. Wow, that that's tough sledding there at the end of the season. But uh, good for the Titans, though. But, man. And, yeah, so I, for I, Miami, short week to prepare for a team that's had the long week. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's four days, right? But how how big of a difference do those four days make? Oh, <laughs> that, that's actually hilarious. That's a huge advantage yeah. as far as body recovery. You can have a guy now who can go from 60% from an ankle injury, you know, sprain, to now he is able to play, he gets up to 80, 85, those four extra days from rehab and everything else, let alone all the advantages uh, from film study, rest, uh, rec- man, the recovery, game planning. I mean, it's it's a it's a huge advantage. I, I'm interested in how often has that happened because I know the Titans played three games in 12 days just before this gauntlet they did. So yeah. I wonder if someone had that advantage as well. It's always, you know, somebody maybe – Misses out, but that that's big here, especially at the end of the season. They got another little break. I talked about it then. He was saying that they don't see him till Monday. I mean, that that's pretty cool. They got to be at home and then uh, rest and rehab and come back fresh and re-energize, not only physically but mentally. The NFL is a mentally draining game if you approach it from a, a business standpoint of studying, uh, you know, your opponent. So uh, that too can be refreshing, even with that late. Uh, you know, bye week too. So, man, this is good for them trying to go on that run and kind of be that, you know, everybody wants to bye week, which they probably are not going to get because uh, the Chiefs may run the table, uh, that that could be kind of looked upon as that, and that can help them down the road. Is it more of a physical advantage or a mental advantage? If you had to pick one, like are guys getting on preparation for the Dolphins on Friday or Saturday, it might be different this past weekend, it was Christmas, or is it really just about getting healthy and keeping a normal schedule as far as preparing for the Dolphins? Well, I think it depends on the player uh, and their acumen as a you know a study guy. Uh, but always physically you want to feel fresh. So I would say I would lean towards that more than anything else. But for me, it was always bofo. I would probably still kind of stick to my schedule, but Monday I'm going to jump start on them when I usually wouldn't start till Wednesday. Uh, so as far as mentally studying film, so I would say physically probably has a little bit of edge in that. It's really, it's an, it's four days advantage, but really it's five because the dolphins have the extra day to have to play the Saints. (laughs) The dolphins still haven't turned their attention to the Titans and the Titans have been doing that since Thursday. I'm interested to see if they go to the Saints, then to fly to Tennessee and start practicing here, (laughs) here in Tennessee somewhere. (laughs) That's a short week, man. Be interesting. Titans obviously have three offensive linemen on the COVID list. Uh, you wonder how that timing's going to work out. Roger oh. Saffold, Taylor Lewan, and Kendall Lamb. What's the rule, though? Do they have to sit Well, up? it depends on depends if they're vaccinated on, right. or not. But give us both scenarios. Do you well, know? Well, I, don't. <laughs> I know that if, if, let's say all three are vaccinated, uh, mm-hmm. you know, all, all it takes, you, you get through the 10-day period and, and they're back, uh, or the two pos- or the two negative tests in a 24-hour span would bring them back. Oh, uh, they didn't shorten the 10-day to seven days? 
Oh, I thought they did. I, I don't know. I don't Protocols know. have changed in recent weeks they have. with they, the they NFL. Just in an email today. But if those three are back, media, yeah, no, it, there are and there are changes for media now too. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna hear a lot more of Mike Vrabel on Zoom. So get ready for the fun uh, oh. <laughs> Zoomed tech issues with media members that we get that we got used to. But look, if those if those three guys are vaccinated, then they have a good shot to come back and play against the Dolphins. Saffold, who got put on that list last Wednesday, Lawan and Lamb were put on that list on Thursday. So we'll see what happens. Well, to add to that, the key, though, is can they still come and work out or do they have to do everything from Zoom and they're at the point they're not vaccinated and then they have to do the extra protocols. They have to stay away from the facility. But for the big men, that's why I say the big guys in the trenches, you know, mission out on conditioning for like more than three days. That's huge. I mean, I'm not even talking about conditioning. I'm just talking about just running your plays at practice and everything else, kind of staying around that environment and culture. That, that's tough. They got to run on their own, too. Oof. Dolphins play tonight, Monday Night Football at 7.15. You can hear it right here on The Zone for the Titans' next opponent. That'll do it for us. Happy birthday to Mickey Ryan. Yes. Blaine and Mickey back at it tomorrow at 1. Thank you, Brett Bachelor, for producing. Yeah. And as always, Blaine. Yes, we got to go. We say peace. peace. <laughs>